Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Context is Peter and John are arrested for doing miracles. Amazing that it would come to that for them or for us. And so the name of Jesus is forbidden from verse 13, but I'm going to pick it up from verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had happened. A miracle on a 40-year-old crippled man had taken place, and everybody heard about it. Verse 22, for the band was, as I said, over 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their life group, which is... Uh, their own companions, and reported them to the chief priests and elders, what the chief priests and elders had said to them. Verse 24, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do what your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed together, when they played in that place, they were assembled together, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sweet presence of heaven here, those online, those in Oklahoma, those in Idaho, those in Florida, those in Bristol Bay. God, wherever this is being broadcasted now and where whoever will hear it in the future, and all those gathered here from the front to the back, the left to the right, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. 
and make yourself real. Breathe upon this service as you have. Continue to do so. May we never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a text of scripture that I've preached from many times. And it's this situation where, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, and this man's miraculously healed. He's jumping and leaping and praising God, which was not some, you know, little cute packaged thing. He, 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 he lost his ever-loving mind. He, he was extremely excited. You think this place is exciting tonight. Can you imagine if someone was totally crippled and brought in on a gurney, they popped up and started running and jeep, jumping and leaping around the building. It has happened. I haven't seen it tonight, but if you're crippled tonight and you pop up and start running around, we will rejoice with you and I give you permission to do it now. I said, are you serious? Absolutely. God does miracles in his name. We just sang about it. There's healing in his name. There's provision in his name. There's breakthrough in his name. There's deliverance in his name. Come on, anybody that's experienced Jesus as a deliverer, would you just give him praise today? Come on, would you? How many of you have been healed? Come on, it's all right to get excited in the house of God. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Think about where you used to be. Think about how ugly you were. Messed up. Toe up. From the flow up. And so the man goes to church for the first time. He goes into the temple, and those that knew him are blown away. I mean, they're, they're blown away. They've walked by him for how many years? He's brought there probably by the time, let's say by the time he's 12 years old, so he's 40. I mean, I don't think they dropped off an infant, you know, but by the time he was old enough to beg, which would be his formal profession, they dropped him off. I, I, I probably need to go look at Edersham's Life of Christ or something and find out, you know, about when beggars were, start, you know, were able to get it, to be employed. But I'm pretty sure they didn't put a four-year-old out there, out there. So he's out there, let's say, from 12 or 13, maybe, maybe went through his his bar mitzvah, and then he became a beggar. I mean, I don't know, but that, that might be a good guess, 13. So he's out there for how many years? Any mathematicians? He's 40 minus 13. He's 37 years old. Is that right? Man, I know I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost now. I know I'm spirit-filled tonight. I just got that. Amen, 40 minus 13. Is it 20? That's terrible. Pastor Alex. Okay, he's 27. Some of you guys are like. Oh my God. Pastor Karen. I still know I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> I could care less whether I got it wrong or not. He's 27. And they get in trouble for doing miracles. And they're, they're threatened. They're brought into the religious leaders and they wanted to be sure that no more of this healing in Jesus' name took place. 
And I love verse 19 because it sort of ties into what could very possibly be coming, certainly, certainly uh, as the world creams toward the one world government. I promise you this will come. There will come a time where the things that we preach and teach will be considered hate, hate speech, and then you're going to have to make a choice. And it's one of the reasons I was so vehemently opposed to closing down because the government told me to. And, you know, we went through quite a process with that. And, and uh, it was an interesting time as a pastor. I love Dr. Morocco's leadership during that time, especially for me. Uh, I asked him, okay, pastor, they want us to close. Did, you know, what do you think? He said, you need to pray and you need to get a word from God. I thought, can you just give me the word? You're my senior guy. Why don't you just, can you, he said, no. You're there. You pray. You obey. It was challenging. We had people that wanted us to close, people that wanted us to stay open. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was challenging. If you were in Canada at that time, we we have heard friends, uh, friends of friends that that went to jail. They're, They're in serious trouble because they, even in recent months, kept their churches open and got in some big trouble. What are you going to do? And I don't want to get into all of that specifically. I, I want to touch on the point to say, what are you going to do if they tell you you can't preach the gospel? You can't tell people about Jesus because Jesus is a bigot. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Now, you could say, well, I'm going to preach anyway. I'm not going to back off. But if you're caving into your flesh right now every day and not obeying anyway, what makes you think you're going to obey when they say you're going to be in some big trouble? I'm, I'm coming over here to get some love over in this section right here. Amen. Somebody said, I'll die for Christ. I'll die. Try today. Try dying today to your flesh. You're gonna be a, I'm going to be a martyr. You practice every day. Pick up your cross. So they're threatened, and, uh, and they say, far be it for us to obey you rather than God. I have wanted to use that about the speed limit, but it doesn't really apply. So they're threatened. So they're threatened. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, Mopar. I got touched by the God, God right there. Touch. It's Mopar spirit. So they threatened him. I love verse 20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak. We cannot but speak. Now, what is that? We don't really use that kind of language now, but it really means this. I can't shut up for what happened. What happened to me, I can't, I can't stop talking about what happened because what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've experienced, I just can't stop talking about it. Have you experienced Jesus like that? Have you experienced Jesus like that? Have you experienced him in such a way that even when you're not allowed to talk about him, you're still going to talk about him? Or when you're feeling the, the pressure of people that want to come on you to not talk about him, you can't help but testify about what he's done. 
I witness a lot when I, uh, I was going to say when I work out, but that's not true. I offend people when I work out. But when I, afterwards, I go to the, sa- the sauna, I don't mean to offend people. I just, I'm very uh, focused. <laughs> I was at the gym of Precious, your daughter. I was at the gym. I finished just leaving it all on the field. Does anybody know what I mean by that? And while I'm there, I'm like, I'm seriously trying to overcome throwing, like, I really want to get sick, which is a sign, says Arnold Schwarzenegger, the good workout. So I'm really nauseous. I'm trying to overcome, and your daughter comes and says, hi, Pastor. I was like, hi. I don't even know who it is because I can't hardly see. Are you okay? I said, sort of, yeah, yeah. And so when people say hi to me sometimes, or like, hey, that's Pastor. I'm like, hey. I'm like, I look right through him. I don't even see him. And so, but when I get to the sauna, I witness a lot. And um, I've had times where I've had people want me to, to, to shut up, to be quiet. And um, I try to be respectful, but I'm also, you know, I'm not, I'm not a rude, I don't want to be rude and arrogant and, you know, but I'm also going to be me. Don't be afraid to be you. You know, you're the most anointed you there is. I love Pastor Alex and, pa- and Pastor Shelby. I-, I love these guys. Love you. I- I'll never forget when you, I think it was one of the first times you preached. And I think we were right about here. And I said, man, bring the fire. And you said, I will. My fire is different than yours. I said, I know. Come on, come on, bump your neighbor and say, my fire is different than yours. Some of you got wet wood. Some of you, your wood is wet. You need, some of you got wet wood. God wants to set you on fire. He wants to set you on fire. But listen, if you're constantly, if you're constantly putting a, you know, a, a, a clamp on your mouth when God's telling you to say something, you will wet your wood. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> Pastor Karen wants to know what that means. Uh, I, I remember when uh, our friend Jonathan Shuttlesworth came through is when I knew I really liked him. He was talking about how he was visiting a certain church and the pastor was saying, oh, it's really hard ground here. It's very hard. It's witchcraft all over the place and, and uh, it's just really hard. And he said, oh, wow. He says, yeah, as a matter of fact, here, let me show you something. And they walked outside, and point, the pastor pointed up to a hill and a mountain. and says, see that right there? Right up there, right at that flat right there? That's where a coven gets together, and they burn stuff and have fires and call curses down on us. And he said, really? Let me know the next time they're up there having a fire, so I'll drink a quart of, you know, a, a quart of Dr. Pepper and go up and take care of it. And I thought, yes. Some of you might get that on the way home. That would be wet wood. Some of you have allowed, some of you, watch this. Some of you have allowed for the devil to drink a quart of Dr. Pepper, the world to to take care of your fire. And I will tell you, I'm, that's that's decent preaching. I'm trying to be trying to be gracious. 
You can't let anybody put out your fire. And you'll be threatened and people won't like you and you'll lose followers and you'll have haters and you'll, you'll have all kinds of stuff. So let me ask you, who are you living for? Who are you really living for? Who, who do you really, who really, who really are you living for? And, and we all want to be liked and we all want a pat on the back and I don't think that's wrong. Just don't make it a God. We want to be appreciated. There's nothing wrong with that. And we need to be encouraged and we need each other. Encourage one another daily. Hebrews talks about that. But if you're living for the encouragement of the government or you're living for the encouragement of the world, don't expect to find it if you're on fire for God. It's not going to happen necessarily. Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And I was in that sauna and some people started talking about, some fellas started talking about our church. You know, I, I'm, they don't know, obviously don't know. I mean, you can talk about somebody when they're right in front of you. Are you? I obviously don't know that I'm like the pastor, right? So there we are. We're sitting there, and they're talking. Hey, seen that, that church on the hill? And the guy's like, dude, that thing is huge. The guy's like, yeah. You know what? And I said, hey, fellas. So I interrupted them before they dropped F-bombs and and. Yes, curse himself, says, Pastor Karen. I didn't say that. Pastor Karen said that. <laughs> Pastor Karen, easy. Be a stateswoman. And so I said, yeah, I, but I said, you know, just in case, I, I don't know where you're going to go with that. I said, but you know, I just wanted to, you know, spare you from any embarrassment or anything because that's my church and I happen to be the pastor of it. And they're like, oh, And I went on to testify about the miracle of the building and why we're doing the building and all that God's doing. And you know something? It was just like they didn't want to be in the sauna anymore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Got their towel and walked out, and I had the sauna by myself, which is my preferred way to have it. What are you saying? Don't look for everybody to endorse you because you love God. And in the days that'll come, it could be rather intense. So what do they do? What, what, what do they do? They, they say, we can't help ourselves. I've got, to te- I've got to talk about what I've seen and what I've heard. I haven't used glasses since you last left. But I think my brother started using them at 45, and so I outlasted them by 10 years. I figured that was good. All right. I won. Amen. Winning's not everything. It's the only thing. <laughs> okay. If you like being a loser, you need to have hands laid on you. <laughs> Let me break that off you right now. Just lift your hand. In the name of Jesus, break off a defeated spirit. Break off defeat. We're not defeated. We won. Even though it looks like we might have lost, we still won. Come on, there's times when it doesn't look so good. And it didn't look so good for them. What did they do? Being let go, they go back, and I said, uh, you know, affectionately, humorously, they went back to their what? They went back to their cell group. They went back to their, their life group. They went to a prayer meeting. They went to a what? They went to a prayer meeting. 
I want to just mention in the moments that remain tonight that prayer is how you are going to get the breakthrough. It doesn't come any other way. And I, I've quoted it. This will be, I think, my fourth time today on my Instagram account in my stories for all of you Instagrammers. Pastor Morocco preaching at the river at Rodney Howard Brown's church tonight. Here we go. This is from John Bunyan. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more to, than pray until you have prayed. Pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. They went back and they had a prayer meeting. They're threatened. You can't open, you can't speak, you can't teach, you can't lay hands on the sick. You can't do what Jesus commanded you to do. Somebody said, you know, you guys shouldn't talk about your faith. It's against my faith to not talk about my faith. I can't help myself. I remember years ago living in 295 Aohana in Kihei, Hawaii. I was on a long fast. It was a tomato soup and garlic fast, which was interesting. I don't know, tomato soup with crushed garlic. I had lots of it, and I don't know. I just, it seemed to work. And lots of water. And I'm on the ground, and I'm, I'm on my ground in my room, and I'm praying, and just, I was going through a lot. And I'm praying, and I hear this God-awful screech and a car crash. And the highway was 100 yards from where my house was. So to hear a crash that loud, I was on my feet in a dead sprint with my roommate, David Davidson, and ran to the highway, the Pililani Highway, ran up the highway and saw two cars flipped on either side. It was a head-on collision. And I got there, I was one of the first people that got to this car that was on the side of the road that I was at. There was other people coming and we're kind of looking around and I hear somebody said, oh my God, he's in the car. So I climb up in the car. Now by this time there's 20, maybe 15 people around the car. I climb up, I'm on the door of the car and I'm reaching in and there's a man who's clearly pinned. I don't know if he's alive or not. And I... My, what came out of me was, you must receive Jesus now. He loves you. He'll forgive you of your sin. You must receive Jesus now. You've been in a horrible car accident. Receive Jesus now. This could be your last moment. And some guy says, hey. And I turn and look at him. He says, he doesn't need to hear that Ooh, right now. I said, shut up. He goes, shut up. And I led him in the sinner's prayer, and he died. Now, whether he prayed it or not, I don't know if he was dead. I really don't know. I know he was warm because I had my hand on him, and he could have been alive. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that he, I believe that if he wasn't saved, I believe that God sent me while I'm in the midst of a tomato garlic fast. When you get full of boldness, it doesn't give a fig. Who gives a fig what anybody thinks about you? If you say 27 or 37 and the answer is 27, who cares? 
Some of you are so bound up. You need some, you, you need some healing. I was going to say something else. You need some healing. You need to have an encounter with God and get full of the Spirit every day, every single day. Get full of God. Get full of boldness. Get to a prayer meeting every day. Everyone ought to have their own prayer meeting. And whether you're gathered here with us corporately at 7 a.m. or whether you're having it at home or whether you're online, get in prayer because it's in that place God will fill you. They're threatened for what happened and they go to their life group meeting, they go to their cell group, they go to a prayer meeting and they ask God to give them the same fire, the same boldness that God have been trouble. Well, I have a story running through my spirit and uh, I'm going to tell it. I have no idea how it ties in. When I was about hmm, 14. That's right, Mom. Come on, Mama. On a second, bro. When I was about 14, a friend of mine and I decided to make a bomb. And we, we got, actually, I should probably not tell you how to make it. Even though you can go to the dark web and figure all cut. A bomb. B-O-M-B. No, not a bomb. Minister Michael, who do you think I am? <laughs> My God. A bong, he said. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to get offended by that. I'm going to move on. <laughs> yes. You heard him. You heard him. You, come on, God. Pray for Minister Michael right now. Father, what kind of thought is that? <laughs> Help him, God. <laughs> a bomb. Drop a bomb. All right, a bomb. Anyway, we made one. And we didn't have any internet. We just sort of figured it out. And um, it's true. And it was quite elaborate. When we were done, it was about this big. It had a lot of gunpowder in it. I know my mom doesn't even know. She's hearing it for the first time. And next to our house, 124 Panic Road, and next to our house was a potato field. So far, it was a field. So we put this bomb in the field, and we had this homemade wick, and, and we lit it, and we ran. But far enough to be able to see, you know, if it's going to work or not, you know. We run off. Mom was up in her bedroom reading or something during the day. And the fuse goes in. Nothing happens. So I get a 10-foot pole made out of galvanized steel. It had to be longer than that because it bowed when I carried it. So it was really big. And I go up to the bomb and I'm just going to poke it. I go up to the bomb and my friend's like, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, shut up. Finally, I hit the thing, and it blows up. And all I can see is a flash of light. I fall down backwards. My friend falls down backwards. We have dirt hitting us. 
you know, I mean, it's like mushroom cloud, you know, not really, but it was big enough to put a three and a half foot crater in the, in the, in the potato field. I'll never forget right after that, my ears were in, I could hardly hear, but I could hear, what are you doing down there? It's one of the reasons my mom has white hair. We... <laughs> Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Pastor Alex, would you come to the keys? <laughs> Meaning of that story eludes me <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Boldness, yes, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> We so, I got it, I got it. You're awesome, somebody's praying. We so wanted to see an explosion that we were willing to even risk our lives to see it. I know. The days are coming where, well, they're here. The Father is seeking such that would worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're going to walk in the unction of heaven, if you're going to walk in a dimension of the Spirit that releases captives and sets those that are bound at liberty, you will have to be filled with fire from heaven. You'll have to have a boldness. You'll have to have partaken of God in such a way that you can't help but speak and testify about what you have seen, what you have experienced, what you have heard. We don't need religious people that run around that can spout platitudes. Platitudes. Big, lofty things that have no power. The Lord is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He is a sun and shield to all those who put their trust in him. Know that the boldness and the fire and the zeal that they got to perform the miracle of Acts chapter 4 was put in them in Acts chapter 2. And through the ongoing fellowship and ministry of the word, through, through continuing to pray and seek Him to pray and obey. We're going to move into watershed moment after watershed moment, but we will not move into that dimension without people who are praying, without people who are hungry. And I'm not talking about a dead, apathetic prayer meeting that doesn't, listen, if it doesn't move you, it doesn't move Him either. Something that, that moves the hand of God. God's hand spans the universe. One preacher said, prayer is a slender muscle that moves the hand of omnipotence. We need a people now to gather in prayer, to call on his name, to pray, 
and to acknowledge His promise and get filled with the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, to have a boldness, a boldness. We need Spirit-filled people full of the fire of the Holy Ghost It doesn't care what somebody might say to you in a sauna. It doesn't care if you're accepted by man because you've been accepted and grafted in because the one who made you, the one who knit you together when you were in your mother's womb, the one who redeemed you, the Savior, Jesus, the Lord, wrapped his loving arms around you, that he was crucified for you. He was pierced for your transgressions and wounded for your iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him because you have been accepted in the beloved, because you've been adopted. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer fatherless, motherless. You've been brought in. And if you're here tonight and that's never happened for you, don't leave this place. Don't turn off the broadcast. Don't shut down the stream until you get right with God because there really is a place called hell. And and I'm going to tell you, hell never motivated me, but it is a motivator. Hell never motivated me. What motivated me was the love of God. I knew I was going to hell, but I didn't really know what that was. And I'm like, well, whatever. Oh, but every time I came into the church, and every time I walked into his presence, which was outside of church too, whenever I'd see a lone candle burning, His presence had come on me. I don't know what that was about. still means something to me. He pursued me. He came and he broke every chain and he broke every bondage and he filled me full of his spirit. And I pledge again tonight, God, I will not become a man pleaser. We will stay true to the call, so help me, God, by the accountability and the hedge that we have built and that which you maintain by your grace, by your power. We will run the race. We will finish by the grace of God. What we've started, what you've started. If God authored it, we'll finish it. If he didn't author it, I would stop writing that book. Boldness. Get some. Get some. Why? Because the world desperately needs people filled with the love of God. I'm not talking about being bold and a jerk. I'm talking about boldly declaring, boldly declaring, standing in agreement with God's word. Boldness, it's birth in prayer. The way they prayed was so amazing. The acknowledgement of God, maker of heaven and earth. When you next time you're threatened by the enemy, by the whispers of your flesh, the next time you're threatened perhaps by government, I don't know. Take yourself back to the presence of the Lord, to the one who gave you the marching orders. Pray and ask for boldness to do what he called you to do. You'll notice he said, they said, grant to us boldness. I want to emphasize this for a moment. I'm not going to be a sissy, no. 
not going to be a pansy, no. I'm going to be bold. Not going to shrink back. Not going to give up. Not going to quit. Not going to quit. Who alone has the words of eternal life? You. You're the caller. You're the deliverer. You're the savior. You're the healer. We respond to you tonight. And we ask you for boldness. We ask you for fresh fire, even on wet wood. Forgive us, Lord, for where we allowed our flesh, for where we allowed the world, for where we allowed even demon power and the intimidating assignment that threatened us to be quiet and behave ourselves. I'm never going to be quiet, and I ain't ever going to behave myself. I didn't do it before I was saved, and I'm not doing it now that I'm on fire for God. I will continually, in, in the name of Jesus, by the grace of God, I will continually obey. And when you obey God's word, you will be a rebel. You know what we need? We need Holy Ghost rebels. We need Holy Ghost revivalists. We need people filled with fire and zeal and passion, not a half-hearted, lackadaisical, zero commitment, zero conviction church. We need a church that's on fire. I'm not going to, I cannot be sold. I cannot be sold because I've already been bought. And being let go, right? They go to their prayer meeting. Why do the nations rage? I love this part. I'm not going to go real long. Thus, of course, I do. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain, vain things? Listen, anything any government plots against the kingdom is in vain. Let me say that again. Any plot against the church is totally in vain. Unless, of, church, unless of course, the church capitulates. And as in, they didn't have to go back to the prayer meeting. They didn't have to pray. They could have been like, well, I guess we're in trouble now. I, I guess we're not allowed to. Oh, well. It was good while it lasted. The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers gathered together. Gosh, the rest of that scripture says he sits in Zion and laughs because he's enthroned, he's enthroned his king in Zion. That's a psalm. Is that Psalm 2? Or it's in the Psalms. Psalm 2. Thank you. He's enthroned his king in Zion and laughs. The key is enthroning him, keeping him enthroned in a region and a territory. You want to see God break through? He has already. Somebody said, oh, I wish he would rend the heavens and come down. He already did. Oh, I want him to come. I want him to come. He did come. Now walk in the power and the authority that he's purchased for you. Get a boldness. Get a fire. Get rid of your wet wood. Put some fuel up on that thing. I don't know when that was. We first moved here. I don't know who were we talking to taught us how to start a fire in Alaska. James Bowdery. Talking to James Boundary, James Boundary, James, you teach us how to start a fire and how did Alaska start a fire? We went and got some diesel fuel and oil, poured it all over the thing, threw a match, like that. That's how we start fire. Sounds like revival to me. Doesn't matter what kind of wood you got in there, that thing gets lit, lights up. Hmm. 
We're truly against your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 27, that's a good number for today. All right, verse 29. Now look at their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness, not partial boldness, all boldness. It's not there by accident. It's there on purpose. A fullness, a completeness of boldness that comes from heaven. That with all boldness, they may speak your word by. Speak your word by. What does that mean? That means speaking the word is connected to what he's about to say. What he's about to say is the vehicle by which the word is preached. What, what does he say, though? Look, look with me. Look. Quick. I don't know what verse it is. It's in here somewhere. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Stretching out your, your hand to heal. How is the word preached? Grant to your servants boldness. So in other words, they're not, I'm preaching right now. But let me just tell you what happens along with preaching and what preaches way better than your words are the demonstration of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul said, we didn't come with eloquence. We didn't come with, come on, you can get taught to death. If all you do is have the word, you're going to dry up. I said it the other day. If all you do is have the spirit, you're going to blow up. Some of you have blown up. Others of you are dry. You need both, the word and the spirit to grow up. Word, you'll dry up, just the word. Oh, and heaven and earth will pass away and his word will remain. I understand, I agree. Amen. The spirit, though brings life. The letter kills, but the spirit that you need both. You're getting both tonight. That with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was assembled together, was shaken. They were all filled again. So that's not just this is, this is Acts 2 again, but it's now in Acts 4. They're all filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Notice, if you tie verse 31 to verse 30, what does that mean? It means, basically, that the speaking of God's word was in signs and wonders and miracles. And I do believe it's with the word being spoken. I charge you to be a part of a prayer meeting and to learn to pray through. Learn to pray through. That's pray until it, pray until you know it's done. How do you know? You just know. You know, if I could quote my mama, you know down in your knower. Not sure what that means. Your inner witness, somebody said, okay. You prayed through, you, you, you know, you can sense it. You I mean, with absolute conviction, you know, I got through the other side. It's done. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can do more after you pray, but you can't do more before you pray. God wants to fill you full of boldness. He wants to use you. Like John G. Lake said, he wants to raise up healing technicians and release them into the world. Spokane, Washington, John G. Lake led a ministry there before internet, before YouTube, before any of that. He was in Africa for five years and started 550 churches in a loincloth. I, I, I don't think he was in a loincloth the whole time. 
but there are stories of him standing over a valley, you know, dressed like one of the, 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 the people waving his hand over a valley and the whole place being healed. He was a man of prayer. Every revival you can tie back to a prayer meeting. Every single one. There is not one. I'm telling you, we're on the edge of revival. I'm stirring you to get some fire, to get rid of your wet wood, to get on fire, which will come out of a prayer meeting and you asking for books. I don't feel like it. Well, it's not about you. Since when was it ever about you? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.